1: Betches Media presents Donald Trump with a, a stain on our country. I'm someone's daughter too. That's what I'm
2: So said. help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Sup Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello,
1: I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches of podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today, Sammy and I are here with a super special guest host. We are here with author, journalist, podcast host, and my friend, and I will call a mentor, Emma Gray. Hi, oh Emma. Oh my
0: gosh, hi. That was such a lovely and generous intro, Amanda. Of course. I'm so happy to be reunited with you.
1: Those are all the things you are now. Now you don't just have to say you're a reporter at HuffPost, a former HuffPost reporter, decade, seasoned HuffPost reporter.
0: I'm just very grateful to you and Sammy for giving me an excuse to, like, get dressed and uh, get, you know, get up this morning now that I am unemployed. So it's, it's a gift to me, really
2: we were very excited to have you after we, once we like figured out that I had followed you on Instagram and that Amanda actually like knew you very well, we were like, Oh, like we should like, she seems like she would be great for this situation. Yeah, The day
1: that <laughs> the day we did talk about on the podcast, um, everything going on with the HuffPost layoffs. And I reacted very strongly and brought up all the work you did and work like people that Melissa did just, that was so uh, important. So we did, we did talk about what within like minutes of the news coming out, like three people at that just were like, do you know, Emma Gray by chance? And I was like, Again, we were talking about this before. I just have like overly <laughs> effusive reactions. I'm like, yes, you taught me everything I know. <laughs> yeah. Of course I do. How dare you ask me?
0: <laughs> we worked <laughs> together very closely and it was
1: wonderful. Yes, yes. I remember, I remember the day that Trump won. I just like got to the office and ran into your arms. I remember it so well. A lot of sobbing.
2: Aww. So much
1: sobbing. I'll, I remember that because that's the only place I wanted to be that morning. I was like, I just want to go to work and see my friends. I've been lucky
2: that um, you passed her on to me. Like once he was straight. Because
1: she she, was the best. <laughs> yeah, Emma, Emma broke Emma broke me in, and then and then Sammy gets me all buttoned up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah like but... the relationship
0: that like does yeah. all the work, and then I'm just like, look at your perfect girlfriend. You She's... Can convince her to go to therapy. Yeah, yes, to totally. with her just kidding. Amanda was always the perfect girlfriend yeah, and perfect. colleague
1: out of the, out of the gate. Aww. So we actually heard from many listeners uh, who who were. So excited to see that you're coming on because they also listen to your podcast, um, which covers Bachelor Nation. You are a Bachelor Nation scholar. So we're going to begin with some of the recent issues during the most recent season, which I know Sammy is pretty hyped to talk about, too.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I've been waiting for this. Yeah, <laughs> I think I watched the season, like barely watched the season. But, but I that's, still that's
1: the interesting thing about The Bachelor is that you don't have to watch the season. You just have to have like a cursory knowledge of pop culture and even more just intersections of pop culture and feminism and politics, To, You're just forced to consume it and has it's forced itself into re- relevance it's true. to
2: whether it you want the zeitgeist, whether or not you give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When you start hearing contestants' names, it's like, oh, everyone's talking about Hannah and now. Okay. Like, so now, right. okay, now I, didn't I have episode. one episode Hannah Ann is. Corinne. Yeah. Like,
1: and the names are yeah. all the same. So it's the fact that I can differentiate Hannah's and I've never, I haven't watched an episode in three years. is pretty telling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. And you host that with uh, your co-host, uh, Claire Fallon, who is also brilliant. Yes.
0: Yes. Have you met that is. little
1: baby? Max. Yeah, I I have. I actually met
0: her baby right before uh, COVID happened. And then I did get to see them in a socially distant manner over the summer. We went to a Juneteenth. Protest rally together. Max went to a Juneteenth rally. Yeah. Max was like slightly napping, but I was like, Claire, we got to get him young. Yes. Got (laughs) to teach him. He's a tiny baby anti racist feminist. Well, he was probably very primed for this
1: season of The Bachelor then. Yeah, exactly. He has had a lot of strong feelings. Yeah, Um, Yeah. 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 So like I said, people who probably don't even watch but consume the culture around it are probably aware that this season's, I guess the word is winner. There was no winner. Uh, Rachel Kirkconnell was exposed to have liked racially insensitive posts and attended an antebellum-themed party in 2018. It seemed to be a number of controversial actions that were not excusable in 2018 when she did them and certainly not now. This was worsened considerably, I'd say, when Chris Harrison defended her behavior in an interview with Rachel Lindsay. And not only did he f- defend her behavior, but he was just dismissing Rachel, a black woman's feelings, to her face for an extended period of time.
2: It was very hard that to watch. That was one of the worst. That was brutal to watch. I think
1: I was
0: actually yelling at my computer while watching that. I was just like...
1: Uh, did not like- that shock you, even with everything Chris... I mean, Chris has sort of been just absolved himself from participating at all. But this time it was like he was actively problematic. Right. So here's the thing.
0: Nothing about Chris's attitudes like surprised me. Like that is exactly who I have always known Chris Harrison to be and assumed he, he would be. But what was shocking is that this is like one of the most media trained men in the industry. And he was just like, let me be out here with my full chest defending the racism and like expressing empathy only for people who are like very ignorant about race and racism. And you're like, Oh, you're, you're just really telling on yourself. Uh, And, and I was, it was um, very illuminating to see him just like really commit to exposing himself like that.
2: And now you know what he really thinks. That's exactly. the thing. Like, it, he could have said something else. He could have sounded more empathetic. But like, he didn't. He isn't. That that is he's what not. he thinks. And yes. what? Why? And like you said, like that is who he is. Why would he be anyone different? He makes eight million dollars a year. <laughs> like, he's fifty something. Like, why? Like, why would he have different opinions, unless he were forced to have them? I don't even think now he's going to be forced to have them because like he has enough money and power and status that he doesn't like need to, to sort of like learn the lesson. Like he can go right off into the sunset. We've
0: seen no no indication that this is a man who's like really going to be introspective and rethink his, you know, relationship with race and whiteness. No, no, no. He wants to go on a nice little PR tour return to his job because he feels like entitled to it.
1: Right. If his job were at stake, it would be. That's the problem is that he does not feel like his job is at stake because it doesn't seem like it is. Go Chris it.
2: Harrison doesn't. I mean, I don't watch the show obviously as closely as you do, Emma. But do you think that Chris Harrison's really interested in doing this job anymore? Because if there's any sort of energy I've gotten from him over the past like 10 years when like I used to actually actively watch it and recap it. Now when I sort he seems incredibly checked out. So if he even wants the job, it's just that he wants it because like he doesn't want to have lost the job.
0: Oh, I think that's exactly it. I don't know that he's actively interested and passionate in this job, but I think a lot of his professional identity is sort of wrapped up in being the face of the franchise and having that source of, of power and general recognition. That's what made him a celebrity. That's what like bumped him up from just being like Joe Schmo TV host on the red carpet. And so I think that he feels a sense of entitlement to that job in the way that we have seen like so many white men um, react in this way of like, how dare you take anything from me? Because my like baseline is being entitled to these, opportunities and this
2: compensation
1: yeah i feel like you're gonna repeat that exact point with the next white man we talk
2: about (laughs) it would be one thing if he were actually like good at his job like but he's actually hard like he's not good at his job like i feel like that's sort of a joke now that he sucks and doesn't want to be there
0: i think he used to be like for what they needed him for in the very beginning he was very good at like palling around with all the other bros they cast who just were white men who wanted to be on the golf course. And like, he was frankly very good at sort of introducing the central concept of the bachelor to the world, differentiating it from other dating shows at the time. But now like we're in a new moment, uh, these contestants that they're casting who are going through like emotional travails are much more diverse have much different perspectives than chris harrison has and so he's like frankly completely um unable to do the job as it is required right now and like yeah hire someone who actually has the fucking range Right.
2: right
1: Hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So this this brings us into our next point, which is that instead of really engaging in a dialogue about race and the show's failings, ABC basically hired Emmanuel Acho, who is amazing, and since June has like really just taken on this role so generously of like talking to white people about race and answering their challenging and sometimes uh, embarrassing questions. They're embarrassing to watch, but and they, they're also going to put two former Bachelorettes in charge of hosting. I guess the next two back-to-back seasons, right?
0: At least oh, yeah. the
1: next God, season. Got they it, have got
0: not it. made any decisions beyond that. I don't know about Paradise or about uh, Michelle Young's season of The Bachelor. It, it.
1: And so you and your co-host, Claire Fallon, you wrote about this on Cosmo in a piece titled The Bachelor Franchise Can't Go On Like This, Either Make a Real Change or Stop Pretending to Care, which is essentially what we were talking about with Chris Harrison. It seems like whenever something blows up, because it does all the time, I don't know who they hire to do these background checks. The franchise implements these really reactive ad hoc solutions that they don't seem insincere in practice. The people like Emmanuel who do them and and Matt obviously are sincere and they do are very generous with their experiences and insights. But then they sort of tend to then resume like nothing happened. Is this time different? I think only time will tell. I mean, you know, I
0: never have like such high hopes with this franchise. It just has such a terrible track record that I would never feel confident being like, this is the yeah. time they're actually going to change. Um, because, yeah, as you said, they they tend to do these sort of like Band-Aid things. Right. Um, I think that, this sort of first initial of the last few years push for diversity has only been for diversity and not for racial equity, which is, I think a a mindset that they kind of need to take on if they want to have actual change. Like this franchise was always sort of at its core built around heterosexual white, frankly, Christian partnership, marriage, uh, marital Mm -hmm. partnership. And so any change beyond that requires like a deeper systemic look. Like you, you have the original sin at the top of this Mm -hmm. franchise, which is just like this franchise was founded by white people, mostly white men. And those white men, like Chris Harrison is an executive producer. Mike Fleiss is the creator. Like these white men are still the ones ultimately um, at the, the forefront of crafting that franchise. And so you can't just like throw in some people of color into the cast or like hire a couple low-level field producers who are people of color and think that that's going to be enough. Like it's going to require a a lot more effort than that.
2: Well, okay. So I, I kind of like lost the plot on this show, like, like around like 2014. Be- and the <laughs> reason was because like, I just sort of felt that it never, like it's a show that was stuck in 1997 mores, basically. Like, like you're like, it's still very much like, like what you said, even like the structure of the show, the idea that like three women are going to night after nights, like the, the guy gets to sort of test drive the three women for sex. And that is like an explicit episode for the like ending, like the the contestants who do quote unquote the best, like that is. So like when you really think about that, like that is so fucked up as kind of like bi- to be built into the structure of the show, like at a specific time, like, oh, every year we have like the fantasy suites. Yeah. So my question is, like, does this show even want to change? Like, I actually feel like Chris Harrison, when he did that interview with Rachel, like he is defending A large portion of what Bachelor Nation thinks. It's a conservative show. People who have, like, quote unquote, like, progressive values, like, the show sort of misaligns with that almost entirely, like, with any sense of, like, progressivism.
1: Which I think is why it's so fascinating to watch for for people
2: like us. Right, right, totally. But I think Chris Harrison knows that, like, the people who actually like the show for what it is are these, like, conservative people who, like, are not gonna, who don't care if you have racial equity. They probably don't want racial equity.
0: Yeah. Well, right. And I think that that's sort of why my feeling is like we're at a crossroads and the franchise is going to choose. And there there is a big segment of The Bachelor audience that is progressive. Um, But, yeah, the way that that audience consumes the show is very different than the way that their sort of imagined core audience, which is that Mm -hmm. white, conservative, evangelical, you know, woman in her 20s to 60s. Um,
2: like (laughs) values don't change much in that span. right? yeah, I know exactly what you meant when you said that.
0: (laughs) Like, you know, exactly who that like imagined person is. Um, and I think it's interesting because the show does actually court, I think, primarily white women across the board, but white women of varying, uh, political views, but they, they're the people that they have centered for the majority of um, the show's run have been those like white conservative Christians, because yeah, as you said, it does fundamentally sort of align with um, the central tenet of the show, which is like find an eligible man, his like beautiful uh, wife who will like conform to his, to his world. And we're seeing, you can sort of trace um, cultural progress in these like small ways. If you watch the show, which is why I find it fascinating as like an
1: anthropological yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, artifact, but, but yeah, the, the fundamental core of it is always going to be kind of conservative.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even um, I find Sean's season really interesting because Sean ended up with Catherine who is Asian American Wasn't Mm -hmm. she one of the first diverse people that they even had on the show?
2: I think she was. They're one of my favorite couples, actually, to come out of Bachelor Nation.
0: And like the only... Yeah. The only bachelor to ever marry the woman he chose at the end.
2: He was a born, but I think his whole thing was that he was like a born again Christian. It wasn't because of the show it was because of like his own personal sort of like values. But that was a big
1: part of it was that whoever he chooses has to be fine with that. And that was like the central motivating idea of the show was that this, we all have to conform to what this, this white man's frankly, pretty dramatic decision (laughs) for his life.
0: I do think it's interesting though, because even Sean, who's like faith was, as you said, sort of like the, the central defining thing about him. His show was, uh, his season spoke less explicitly about that Christianity than Matt's season did. Uh, And I think that that speaks to the fact that with Matt James, the show was still again, centering that like white conservative imagined audience member. And they were like, we need to make Matt James this black man, black biracial man from New York City, safe to this imagined conservative white audience. Um, And with Sean, they didn't do that. Like you didn't really see him praying during the season. He had these like conversations about how his faith was important, but that was like intercut with like a lot of scenes of him shirtless in the shower. Right. It was only (laughs) relevant to
1: the, to the effect that he was saving himself for his next marriage. It wasn't just for its own sake. Where- right. Yeah, it was mostly an obsession with his status
0: as like a born again virgin, which like, yeah. was, I mean, that's a conversation yeah. for another day.
2: I mean, the show does sort of love to like fetishize and categorize people like that it, it's not like a particularly smart show. Like you're like there's not a lot of like new like that that's what makes it what it is. Like that yes. makes it entertaining. I wonder what, so what do you what do you make of these like new announcements that they now have announced two Bachelorettes And two Bachelorette hosts, or two new hosts. And they are, in in both cases, a white woman and a black woman. When, in my opinion, in both of these cases, they should have just chosen the black woman for both of those roles. Because they were, they had the edge. Michelle won, Michelle was the the runner up. So that's usually who the Bachelor is. No issue, unless there's like an exception. And then with the hosts, like, I just think Taysha would have been Caitlin's been like, she was a really long time ago. Like Tasha's like fresh and new and recent. People really like her. Like, why couldn't they just choose one?
0: I agree. My read on the two, the double hosting is that they didn't want to make it seem like they had chosen a replacement for Chris Harrison. And so I feel like by choosing these like two women, they're very much sending a signal that's like, this is temporary, this isn't yeah. a replacement for... Her. This is just happening for this season. So I think that was part of the rationale there. Um, and then I think for Michelle and Katie, um, I think at least part of it is the fact that Michelle didn't want to film during when they normally oh, film right. The Bachelorette because she's a teacher and she didn't want to have to Explode leave her, her jobs. Students. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she they're filming her season in the summer. So I'm sure that's part of it. And I'm sure that it's also again, the fact that like they had this very popular white woman mm-hmm. who seemed like a good fit and they could like hearken back to a Caitlin Bristow with her casting. Um, and it felt felt perhaps safer to them. So it's probably a
1: combination of those things. Right. And it gives you like the audience members who frankly probably do like, OK, we just had a black bachelor. Now we have a black bachelorette. It gives them like, oh, it's, don't worry. Don't worry. We have a white woman in here too. It's fine. Relax.
2: But those people don't see color, Amanda.
1: <laughs> of course, naturally.
2: <gasps> yeah. It's a, don't you feel like every time that a big institution, the New York times, the bachelor, a big institution run by essentially white men picks two women to do to, in a spot where typically one woman has been, one person has been chosen and it's typically been a man. I feel like every time that happens and, it's now been. I can think of three instances. Um, You're also, the of New York the Times, Times endorsement. endorsement. Yeah, The Bachelor. What's the, the third? message? Yeah, the, the the Bachelor did it twice. Oh, the message you. that that sends is that two women are. You can only have two women to replace one man. Like only two. Like you need two women to be good enough to what one man used to be able to do. To me, it just
1: deprives. Like, just think about any other circumstance where, like, maybe one let's say it's a white male colleague, like has to take a lever or sabbatical or something. And you have two people, you're depriving one of them from like, give like really shining. Like imagine it yes. was just Tasha mm-hmm. and she was a star and she like carried that season and was like, it carried it by herself and was amazing. You could see like, okay, well maybe, maybe that's a consideration for future hosting. But when you do two right. of them, nobody wants to pit two women against each other. Although I'm sure when it happens, people say who they like better. But yeah, if you throw two in there, it just deprives them from having an equal shot at maybe taking on that role permanently.
0: Oh yeah. And I think that's very intentional here. And it is frankly like kind of frustrating and insulting. I mean, I hope that the two of them will have a good time. I hope that like Michelle and Katie will have a nice camaraderie and be able to support each other. But like, yeah, it does. It does sort of like diminish each one a little bit. And it feels like this show is always trying to play both sides, always mm-hmm. trying to hedge their bets um, and all for the sake of not alienating an audience segment that is like, frankly, like unsavable in my mind. Like I'm like, right. And so, OK, be honest about who who you prioritize here, um, right. you know?
1: Yeah, it seems like in the past there has been active harm done and it's a lot of because of what the show has chosen not to do. But this season, it really just looked like they really failed The Bachelor. They really failed Matt James. What what could they have done to ensure that this burden of basically explaining racism by himself while having his heart shredded, what could they have done to keep that from falling on him alone? I
0: mean, my God, this season was like an utter failure from top to yeah. bottom. And that has nothing to do with the cast, who I actually think in a lot of ways was quite fantastic. I really enjoyed Matt. I really enjoyed a lot of the women, uh, but the show's so ill-equipped and I think, uh, Oh God, there's so many things. I mean, I think that they needed first of all, um, more black people and more people of color, um, in the editing room, executive producing, you know, yeah. sort of checking on the, the ways in which some of the storylines were framed. I mean, you know, I think if you had a person of color, especially a Black person in the room, you would not have gotten, for example, the really exploitative way that Matt's relationship with his father, who is a Black man, was portrayed. Yeah. Um, you know, leaning into all of these really harmful stereotypes about absent Black fathers. Um. So I, I think that, like, that's one part of it. An- another part of it is that, you know frankly like i think that they kind of intentionally cast matt because he was someone who was like less familiar with kind of the ropes of the show and also mm. someone who was perhaps before this a little bit less confident in speaking about his blackness you know he was raised in a pretty white community by a white mother um a lot of his best friends are white he's very comfortable code switching and I think that they, again, wanted to pick a black man who could be made, quote unquote, safe to a conservative, frankly, racist white audience. And in doing that, they they hoisted a responsibility on him that was just completely unfair. I also yeah. think because he like hadn't been on the show before, I'm not sure that he had the full scope of understanding in, in terms of the like racist history of this show and how much of, of that would be on him to sort of like carry that and carry the burden of like saving the franchise and fixing the franchise. Um, and another thing I think they could have done was just like really put more resources into scrubbing people's social media accounts. Um, you know, when they were doing the casting Um, and uh, as well as prioritizing storylines that didn't consistently center the white women in the cast, even though the majority of Matt's like top 10 were women of color. So basically it was like a failure of casting, a failure of checking, Mm -hmm. a failure of editing, a failure of, you know, story producing. Like it was just an utter fucking failure. Whenever
1: I hear these things, it's just blows my mind that places are resistant and don't hire black people and people of color because it just wouldn't have made their lives so easy, much easier. It's like, just do it. And then you avoid if there's somebody in the like, it's so hard. But Amanda. That for, would require someone know, else,
0: probably a white person, like giving up some of their power. And it's I think crazy, that like it's so resistant hard to that. for
1: white people to watch hours and hours of footage and find racism because we don't experience it. It is so much easier. Yes. hire people that it's just crazy. Like how, how much harder people make their lives by just not, Doing the simplest thing to solve a problem. But it's because, like you said, they won't give up their power.
2: This might be cynical of me, but like, I think that if they wanted to scrub these people's social media and do like a real look, they could. You know, I can stalk someone back to 2011 faster. You know, it's not really that hard. I almost. The person
1: doing it probably didn't even know what was going on in the picture, maybe because they had not didn't have the context to know that it was an antebellum party that like, I mean, I just think they need to
0: hire like a whole team of like Gen Z teens and just like, (laughs) let them loose. Like be like, are you on, are you like on the bachelor subreddit?
1: Like just hire those people. I know some, I know some (laughs) post investigative reporters that
2: could, could maybe. How about that? It's just, but but maybe they maybe they want the controversy. Like maybe they want there to be something to talk about. Like that it's because it, it's not only about like what racists or or like you know kind of questionable things the contestants have done. There's also they've also run into this problem with like past exes and like people they're dating. And like I I kind of feel like they want. The, the audience to find something like that is a component of the show and the community around it. Like, oh, let's like dig up dirt on this person and like, see what we can find. And that, that causes clicks that causes, you know, m- more attention on the show. So I don't know, like, I feel like if they really wanted it to be this like cleaned up show, they would make it this cleaned up show. It's not like they lack resources. It's not like they have like probably ABC is fine with recruiting. Like, I don't like this. You're talking about a company that has like the most resources in the world to make whatever they want happen. And like, you're saying they can't. Like, I think they, yeah. yeah I has don't to think be it's a purpose. matter
0: of can't. I think it's a matter of like lacking the will. They don't have enough the, to lose. Right. Like the real central desire to do it. I mean, and, and that's not to speak for like, every person involved with this show. I know that there are a lot of like individual players within Bachelor World who are quite progressive, who are quite like upset at, you know, the way that this season played out. But, um, you know, of course the making of anything is like very complicated, but at the end of the day, someone who has the power to allocate those resources isn't doing it. And that speaks to a failure of the show. And I also think like, look, they're not going to catch every single thing. That's fine. But the reason that these things land the way that they do and make people so angry Mm -hmm. is because of this really dark history that the show has and the context, frankly, of just like the country we're in. So The Bachelor has become this like fire starter and this like microcosm for the intractable problem of racism in this country. And and you're seeing, it's like you saw so much of that then funneled through Matt James and Rachel Kirkinell's relationship, like, and that—that that, is a yeah. lot, frankly, That's for lot. for yes. both of them. But um, obviously, especially for Matt.
2: Yeah, I think The Bachelor is kind of like a good barometer of where the country stands in a mm-hmm. way, because, mm-hmm. like, you, you know, like what it, what the show actually decides to do, I think, is sort of a good measurement of progress, because you do—you're always going to have people who are like fighting for more pro- progress. But the, like, how do you know how much we've actually moved? Maybe just watch The Bachelor.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's definitely an artifact.
2: Hey there, Overwhelmed Foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. HomeChef.com slash FeverDream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
1: So speaking of underperforming white men who somehow still have the support of the public, (laughs) we're going to check in on uh, Andrew Cuomo. So a seventh allegation, I feel like we end up talking about this every Monday, but a seventh allegation of improper workplace harassment and misconduct has emerged from another current aide of the governor, he has a he has a style of harassment, and this sounds sort of similar to what we've heard before. Alyssa McGrath, she's in her early 30s. She's accused Cuomo of ogling her body, remarking on her looks, and making suggestive comments. The one that stood out to me was that, like, he'll like intentionally just stare at a necklace that falls like near her chest and compliment it. And he would just, you know, just talking about dating all the time, constant sexual innuendo. And she said that Cuomo reportedly would tell women not to tell each other about his advancements his advances. So Alyssa was really So consciousness of guilt. Yes, exactly. Alyssa was good friends with the, um, accuser who says he groped her and he would tell, basically pit them against each other, be really inappropriate with them. He seemed to foster just an inappropriate closeness specifically with young women that worked for him. Like his aides would send emails to all the women. Like somebody needs to like hang out with him while he like signs his book at his house. Like he always need, wanted to have, he seemed to use the governor's office as like a feeder for attractive young women he could sexually harass. Um, The lawyer for this most recent age, she said something that I think really gets at why the governor needs to resign and how we really need to be looking at this differently from how our reaction needs to be different than just like, but how come nobody cared when Trump was doing it? So she said, her name's Marianne Wang, said this would be unacceptable behavior from any boss, much less the governor. The women in the executive chamber are there to work for the state of New York, not to serve as his eye candy or prospective girlfriend. Remember, another person, 25-year-old Charlotte Bennett, said that he was asking her these suggested questions at the height of the pandemic when they were supposed to be doing their job. Now, in the background of this, basically every member of New York's congressional delegation has said Andrew Cuomo should resign. Only 49 New Yorkers want him to leave. Uh, or 49% of New Yorkers want him to stay in office, but 66% of Democrats want him to stay in office. Yet his approval rating is 39%. And most people don't want him to seek re-election in 2024. What do you think is going on here? I don't understand.
2: I do understand just sort of like, because I think there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, that's wrong, but let's just keep him till next time. Because like, Because I have a feeling what they're justifying it with is the double standard for... Republicans and Democrats. So they're just like, okay, he's bad. Get him out later. He shouldn't run again, but he should, but like we don't need him to resign. Right. Don't
0: don't bother with the the you know, playing into the scandal or like the drama right now.
2: Um I also don't think most people are as plugged in. Like, Mm. like they probably are like, okay, did he rape anybody? And then when yeah. they hear no, they're like, okay, so it's not that bad. <laughs> and right. This is like the like- Harvey
0: Weinstein problem. Like you're like, oh, totally. You know, the fact that the Harvey Weinstein allegations sort of kicked off me too has created this thing where people are like, is he as bad as Weinstein? No. Well, okay,
1: he's not like a full monster. Right. It's also like it's like we're talking about The Bachelor. It's like this is the governor of New York. This is an important job. He's not even good at the job. Like we're saying, like Chris Harrison isn't even like the most amazing host. In the background is like the FBI is investigating his administration for a major scandal. And part of me has started to wonder because he's had this reaction to the harassment and misconduct allegations like this is the pile on. This is cancel culture. Forget it. I almost feel like these have benefited him because they have distracted from the nursing home thing and giving a narrative that some people are um, sympathetic to. So nobody's talking about the nursing homes anymore. I mean, obviously people in New York are, there's an impeachment inquiry, but all he's saying is like, oh, they're piling on and his defenders are saying, this is just to pile on. He's really trying, he's like, he's doing some, that's like sinister pandering to like the black community, which does have historically more distrust of certain <coughs> allegations. And he's like getting vaccinated in Harlem. And I don't know, I'm starting to have this like icky feeling that, These harassment allegations have not hurt him one bit.
2: No, I I agree with that. Did you see the story about how he uh, set up like a Bill de Blasio dartboard at like a party? What? I missed that. Yeah, it's like the the, the biggest the, the biggest argument for his resigning is that just like he does not act as an executive of the state. Is supposed to act and it's this like whole mass of ish of things that he's done wrong not just like one it's not one allegation like there's no smoking right. gun but it's like right this guy acts like an asshole he you know i know he hates de Blasio. i know he, they hate each other but like you're the governor like someone's right, paying attention like, to like that the governor and also yeah. like be
0: able to treat your um, employees with respect like that should be like a basic just requirement of, of right. a state executive <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah exactly. You should be able to go work for the governor. And like, just think about really talented people who this man's going to be in office until what, 20? Is it 22 or 24? I think it's 24. 24. And now, women who are probably really talented and could help us solve some of the state's most pressing problems, if they're young and attractive, aren't going to want to go work there. That's messed up. That's why you resign. That's why I don't have, frankly, a lot of like tolerance for just people responding like, oh, but it's a double standard. Like, Republicans didn't care about Trump. It's like, we can't. We don't have the moral high ground if we don't use it. Like, otherwise we lose it. If we have the moral high ground, we like have to implement it. I don't think the answer to Republicans being shitty about sexual harassment is not pressuring Cuomo to resign.
0: Oh, I absolutely agree. And this guy like isn't even good at the other no. parts of his job. Like we lived through, you know, COVID in New York. Like we're still, inside. A, it, we're still in it. We're still living in it. It's been yeah. a shit show. He's off like writing a book, praising himself while like, People are dying. I mean, my God, like I I, just I and that's why I say, like, like, I guess cynically I can understand why people are just like, eh, don't bother. But I also in my core, I'm just like, I don't understand. He's yeah. not good. He's not even popular. He's not doing great things for the city or the state. And he is harassing women who work for him. <laughs> and as you said, like that affects the pipeline then. Um, and and it also, even for women who then are working for him or continue to, to go work there if he stays in office, like you can't underestimate the exhaustion of trying to navigate that kind of environment all the time. Like that diminishes the energy that these women are going to have to do their jobs and to
1: advance. And it's just really depressing. Yeah, it's just so shocking to see this is like probably something that's going to go away and he's going to like survive at least. Because obviously a double standard in how you like, it going away. Reza- like you can see it going away.
2: No, I don't. I see it just being sort of like a, con-
1: I think. But okay, I don't I think he's th- ever going to resign. I
2: think he's going to be. An no, I don't.
1: Yeah, well, I think I don't the think so only either. thing
2: that will get him to resign is if Biden is like, um, is like really encouraging it. But Which Biden can't because yeah, the idea I, of like, yeah. you can't cuddle people when they're at work is not something that Biden can talk about. Right. I also, I also kind of think that it's just going to sort of... I don't think it's going to go away. I just think it's going to sort of be like this rolling thing. This like
0: low hum in the background yeah. forever. Yes.
2: Yeah. yes. Yes. Exactly. Oh, great. Terrific. Yeah. I mean, I
1: read I read like there's a political opinion piece that said like, maybe this is due in part to the fact that New Yorkers have made working endless hours in a toxic environment into a badge of honor. But I don't really buy it's that. It's an interesting point. It's possible, but I think those are the people... I don't know. I, I Maybe that that is probably part of it. It's sort of, I'm sure this isn't the only office where, because obviously we've heard a lot about just like a really toxic management style, even if you never said anything sexual, uh, that's just not appropriate or productive. And there are just so many layers of it. There are so many different things that people are forgiving him for and maybe see themselves in that it like distracts from that fact that it's like, no, no, it's all of this is disqualified. It doesn't matter if like, you don't think that's a big deal or you're on his side about this or he wasn't as bad as Trump. Like, look at it all altogether
2: like would you hire this
1: guy right well the fact like there would never happen to a woman a woman would never have like a 30 percent approval rating and then 70 percent of people say like she can stay no oh hell no she
0: never. wouldn't be able to do like one of the the things no! that Paula is accused of doing and like not keep her job
1: yeah exactly thank you so much for joining us Emma where can we find more of you where can we find more of your audio chats and your newsletters and all of your content
0: so you can find some of my writing um, on my newsletter, Rich Text, which is at claireandemma.substack.com. And you can find um, our podcast Instagram at Claire And then you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. And your book's still for sale, right? My book is still for
1: sale, uh, A Girl's Guide to Joining the Resistance. Yeah, it's a great gift for like, gen z or even younger than that and it's it's really really cool thank you so much that's our show until the end of democracy i'm amanda duberman i'm sammy sage and this is the Betches Up podcast
2: the Betches Up podcast is produced by amanda duberman jorge morales pico and sean kilby editing by jorge morales pico social media by amanda duberman be sure to follow at betches underscore sub on instagram twitter and tiktok and send us your emails to Suppod at betches.com batches